This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is Adam Wharton here. You're listening to the 4000 Horse Podcast. You are listening to the 4000 Holes Podcast, brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at the Terrace. It's my pleasure on this episode of the 4000 Holes podcast to talk to a sports journalist and columnist from the Daily Mail and Mail on Sunday. And for his sins, as the football cliches pod would have it, he also shares my name. It's Ian (laughs) Herbert. Finally, our paths cross, Ian. How are you today? I'm very well. I've been waiting for the chance to have this chat for too many years, Ian. So, uh, yeah. yeah. We we finally got the circumstances under which the the internet and all its glory can bring us together. So that's absolutely (laughs) fantastic. Uh, For the avoidance of doubt, Ian is a Wrexham fan, and we'll get into it later in the chat. He's written a book on the the rise, I think we'd say, of of Wrexham over the last couple of years called Tinseltown. But we will talk about that momentarily. What I want to do, though, I want to do a sort of like on the psychiatrist's couch type thing. We'll take you right back to your childhood. Tell me about your childhood then. So what, what was your earliest sporting memory? Is it football? Were you interested in other sports as a kid? How did you find an affinity with, with sport and football in particular? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, it, I mean, football predominantly. You played a bit of cricket, but football predominantly. Um, sort of friend of the family was a, a massive Liverpool fan. So I do remember going to St Andrews to see Birmingham City v Liverpool in, I think it must have been 1976, um, it was a major, major disappointment. Liverpool scored after, I think it was 21 seconds and 1-1-0, and that was it. Um, but yeah, no, Wrexham really for me. I mean, I'm, I'm from that part of North Wales, North East Wales, just on the border of Shropshire and and, uh, and Clwyd. And um, yeah, watching 
the great Wrexham side of 1977-78 season, probably our greatest team um, and, you know, a very organically built team. Nothing like the modern day uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Rob McElhenney iteration in Wrexham where a lot of players are bought in, um, you know, um, Bobby Shinton, Mickey Thomas, Dixie McNeil, Les Cartwright, Di Davis. These are legends of, of that club. Um, and yeah, I mean, 77-78 was a huge season where we, we actually went up as champions and played Liverpool in the League Cup quarter-final. And I think we played lots of fantastic European games because we used to play in the European Cup Winners' Cup. Of course, uh, yeah. The Cup Winners' Cup, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like loads of football going on, you know, uh, and um, that all, all of that, really. I mean, we were talking a bit about it earlier on, weren't we, about you watching... Blackburn Wrexham in 1980 and 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 you know I think it just the the fragments I mean the first goal I remember seeing was in was Wrexham v Hereford in 70 January 78 where Les Cartwright scored direct from a corner um, I mean no one on this brilliantly named pod will know I've heard of Les Cartwright but a bit like you remembering Duncan McKenzie you know I think you uh, these are the moments of our lives and they are always with us, aren't they? Absolutely. There is, there is a theory, I think, that when you're about, is it 14 or 15, that those are the most evocative years of, of your life and the, the memories that you forge then stay with you. I, I'm sure I've read in a music magazine at one point that the bands and the music that influences you in the, those three or four years from 14 yeah. through to 17 kind of stay with you. It's certainly true for me. I still listen to some horrendous 1970s prog rock yeah. as a result of like the big lads on the school Bus lending me the Pink Floyd albums and so like, you need <laughs> yeah. you need to listen to this. Oh, okay, punk rock's listen, going listen on in the background, it, but I'm just, just you're very afraid. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and here I am, sort of like X number of years later. But yeah, that that I, I think the only time I've ever been to Wrexham, I'm pretty sure the only time I've ever been to Wrexham was I looked it up earlier in September 1980. And Rovers were in the Howard Kendall iteration then, so we're having some success. And we were the lower divisional Arsenal of the day, where it was 1-0 to the Rovers. If we scored, that was it then. Kendall just <laughs> shut up shop. And Mackenzie scored in the 77th minute, the, the archives tell me. But what sticks in my mind was he jumped upon the railings uh, behind the goal and the Rovers fans were going nuts. And that, that sort of really evocative image that sort of like stays with me. But that's the last time that Blackburn Rovers beat Wrexham. Would you believe it? We've not we've not played that many times, but that was the last time. I think again, did some research earlier. Sixteen occasions we we played. There's been ten draws, uh, four victories for Wrexham, and only two wins for Rovers. So that, wow. that, that's well, a bit scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll we'll get into that. I'm sure. So you are a sports journalist, then, Ian. How did how did that career evolve, and how did you how did you find a way a path into the uh, into the industry? Yeah. Well, I think like for a lot of people, it was slightly arbitrary in some ways, the way it worked out. I mean, I've always, I always wanted to be, I actually wanted to be a football commentator when I was a kid. And I used to remember making um, a clay microphone in, um, <laughs> in art and actually running around the garden commentating on stuff. But I ended up going into, into, into in, a, in a rather conventional way into regional newspaper journalism in the days when uh, regional newspapers were properly funded and were beacons of hope and truth finding and you know I worked for the Liverpool Daily Post which I love the bones of I worked there for 10 years um and I did a, I did a lot of reporting you know I just reported on stuff like was news you know not sport yeah. um and I went to work for the independent in 99 for, I worked there for nearly 20 years and a lot of that time as a news reporter and um I was northern correspondent and yeah and I kind of the job in a job in sport came up when I was on the Indian 
I just sort of felt it was, I just needed a bit of a change. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty arbitrary thing, really. I wasn't really possessed with the desire to be able to talk about Wrexham and Blackburn for the for, for many further years. But I did it. And, yeah, I mean, it's been, um, I've always tried to try and, sort of, I've written quite a lot about stuff where, which intersects, where news and sport intersect. So not just the games. Yeah. I think because I came into it relatively, relatively late, I suppose, Um 15 years ago, I was about 40. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not an absolute football obsessive and I can't, I don't read the game like some people can. And, um, uh, you know, I can't remember every game going back ever. Sometimes I go to football awards dinners and there's a quiz and yes. I always <laughs> die a death because I'm shit. I hope I can say that word on this pod. You, you can. <laughs> <absolutely> <laughs> fine, yeah. but, um, but, you know, it's but it's but it's fascinating, of course. And I think there's just the great narrative narratives of sport you know the great um sweep of sporting history you know and um uh, it's a, it's a great realm to tell stories you know i don't mean make them up i yeah, mean yeah. tell stories you know well, as, as the cliche goes yeah you who could have script written this kind of thing you you see yeah. that line trotted out on by commentators on so many occasions what's the most memorable sporting event or foot if it was a football game football match that you've covered what's the one that leaves an indelible mark uh, I think in recent times, and I don't want to sort of try and be a, a Billy Big Bollocks by saying I was at it, but the the last World Cup World Cup final in Qatar, right, France Argentina game, which was just a blizzard of events, as you know, you know, and it was just trying to write about it. Um, uh, I was one of the kind of the the sort of slightly subsidiary reporters who was doing not the main match report. I think, I think, you know, the esteemed Martin Samuel yeah. was doing his usual brilliant way. Um, I was writing a sort of a piece off that, you know, and I mean, we do these match reports of games while the games are going on, which is often difficult at the best of times, you know, because people will email in or tweet and say, were you watching the same game as me? <laughs> well, no, I wasn't actually. I was looking at my keyboard at the time. Um, but that one was obviously a game from the gods and it was just so difficult to be able to form any narrative, really, you know, any kind of uh, retrospective. You know, you, you had to wait till it finished. You yeah. could not, you know, you just, I was almost like, we were a few, just almost laughing really, you know, put the laptop down, just look at the, the game as it unravels. Um, so that was, you know, from from the heavens, really. Um, what was it like out in Qatar? How how alien was it compared to a normal it was very European alien. football? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I mean it wasn't. I mean, it was it, it wasn't you know inalienably hot or anything like that. But it wasn't you know I've been to countries where, you know as, as I'm sure many of the viewers have where you know it's very little English spoken. You feel you're kind of in the mid really you know, in, in the depths of in the middle of nowhere. Not like, not so. But I think there was just something, we'd written quite a lot about, you know, the mistreatment of, of immigrant workers there. That was a big theme. Yeah, yeah. You know, I and others had written a lot on that. And and, and, and about the illness that they developed. And, you know, and, and young men, dominantly young men developing illness and dying, you know, quite frankly. And a lot of, I don't want to sort of kind of get, too dramatic about it but I mean there were just a lot of people who just were ill out there you know it was there was something to do with the air conditioning some people said but a number of colleagues were in hospital with kind of various I know kind of condition illnesses etc I don't know there was there was and and then there was this that the chauvinism of of a country like Qatar where you know the, the, the Qataris didn't really do anything they just left it to all the kind of you get the immigrant workers to do all the crap jobs I there was something slightly you know 
unsettling about yeah. the <laughs> the entire experience. Um, and you know, whereas being blessed with a chance to go and cover World Cups in South Africa, Brazil, these sort of places, Russia, you know, where you feel it's a great journey of discovery. You know, you're finding out so much, but that was really different, I think. So, um, but then of course we were blessed with that Argentina story and the final, which was. It was an extraordinary game, I have to say. It's one, yeah. it's one of those that I think even if you're only passing interest in football or you, you're you in the room and you're reading a book or something, you'll gradually put the book down because you can recognise the drama that's yeah. unfolding in front yeah, of you. Yeah, sure, yeah. Absolutely extraordinary. I think and, and yeah. Jeff Hurst tweeting afterwards, of course, like, yeah, welcome to the club, Kieran. Exactly, <laughs> Kieran. exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Although he did end up on the losing side and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, it's going to be a bit difficult to top that one, I think, isn't it? The World, the World Cup final in Qatar. In yeah, terms it, of, it is. Although, you know, to come perhaps to bring it to sort of our, you know, the our world now, you know, I mean, there, there are some beautiful stories to tell about, I mean, the FA Cup, you know, and I think that I've, I've always loved those FA Cup third round stories. I did Kidderminster last last season, I think it was. They played West Ham in the yeah. fourth round and I'd forgotten that Kidderminster was a carpet town and all these stories about carpet Baron who'd run it for years and now his son's running it. And I mean, I think those stories are just heavenly to write and um um i just hope that somehow you know the tournament can can maintain its relevance to people i mean i wrote a piece for the paper you know around about time of the third round all it was all about a slightly sentimental journey back through third rounds you know and looking at some old black and white pictures and such a great response from people you know of of our age yeah. and of older you know remembering and writing letters to me you know at the at the offices and i think there's a lot of feeling that it's special but it seems slightly in jeopardy really i mean our game really is i think is the tie of the round in many respects i mean see maidstone or ipswich and um I, I just don't care about ties like city v uh, spurs v city i don't know about you but I don't know, the the only thing about that, I guess, is it uh, it brings back the Ricky Villa final, doesn't it? So, it again, does, it does. for a generation yeah. of a certain age, I, I half expect to see Tommy Hutchinson running out, playing yeah. for City and all the rest of it. Yeah, so, no, there is that angle. But when the draw yeah. was made, I was convinced that we would be a mainstream TV pick because I thought, well, there's a lot to have a go at here. Former Premier League champions, bit down on the heels, up and coming, uh, yeah. you know, the Hollywood story and all the rest of it. And when it wasn't picked, I have to say, I was quite surprised. And now it's on a Monday night. Oh, yeah. that's just horrendous. I think it's going to... It's rubbish. It's rubbish for... for it's going to impact the gate. It's going to yeah. impact the atmosphere. Uh, yeah. I fear it's going to impact the result negatively as well, obviously. But we'll get into that moment. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Talking of FA Cup upsets, though, uh, were you at the Wrexham Arsenal game? Or did yeah, you watch on TV? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I've still got my little orange ticket stub from that game. And it was... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, I remember that entire the entire period of of FA Cup glory at that time, you know, just constantly leaving the grounds with your head absolutely sore from screaming, you know, like a real headache, you know. And um, so I was at that game. And, and, and um, I mean, what, what people forget about that game is that Wrexham got absolutely battered, really, particularly in the first half and when they were 1-0 down. And, you know, you just, you know, you, it wasn't one of those ties where, you know, little club, you know, David and Goliath, you know, you know, we're, we're going to put it up. Um, yeah. We just got hammered and then... <laughs> Sat back and took it. As kick. it <laughs> he scored the free kick and the rest is history. So, <laughs> and I think that's the thing, you know, you, 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 you know, write about or broadcast about, you know, football and uh, it, it's so much 
the, the narrative is retrospective, isn't it? Oh, yeah. no, well, it's binary. Oh, they won. Yeah. They're heroes. Well, actually, really poor. Against, History's written yeah. by the victors. So it's, it's, it's yeah, always yeah. going to have that. Kevin Campbell of Arsenal against Mark Satori of Wrexham <laughs> was just not a contest, I can tell you. <laughs> but it's beautiful and, it's, and it just shows the power of, you know, of our game and of the tournament. And then, of course, what, what I think is really sweet is that the um, the credits for um, Welcome to Wrexham documentary uh include um both series one and the and the new series two include stevie watkin who scored the winner that day yeah. and it was about 19 at the time being chaired off the pitch by his teammates so uh who would have known of course back in january 92 that not only was it going to be history but there you know it would be part be of revisited incredible later. new chapter yeah, yeah. 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 well let, let, let's talk about rexham in a bit more detail then so you you've written a book uh, I, I, I don't know how many others there are, but this is a story where clearly there needed to be a book and you filled that gap. And it's called Tinseltown, Hollywood and the Beautiful Game, a match made in Wrexham. So when did the idea first occur and how did you go about bringing it to life? Well, uh, yeah, I suppose, you know, I, I guess after the takeover happened, it became quite clear that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney were quite exceptional people and... Um, Although I don't know, I, I, I don't always know. It was a conversation with my, with a chap called David Luxton, who's my kind of lit, literary agent. Although I don't want to sound like I'm some kind of, <laughs> I'm not literary. I'm an author, but, lovey. I'm an author. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's a top top guy, David, and uh, quite a few of the football journalists who've done books, you know, do work with him. And yeah. and he said, "Well, why are you doing that? Why are you why have you thought of that? I don't know. I just maybe get a bit close to it. So that's where it came from. So, and it was all slightly quickly put together. Um, you know, um, in terms of, you know, a publisher wanting, headline wanted to publish it and was doing it because we needed to do it really uh, to sort of coincide with the end of last season yeah. when it looked like we might finally make it back into the Football League after 15 years. So, um, yeah, and, and, and I was just quite keen to get away from just writing about the showbiz and I wanted to sort of try and write a lot about town, really. I mean, you know, our town's you know, are similar in the sense, aren't they? I mean, obviously your town is bigger than my town, but, um, you know, they've both known probably... See better days. Better, better days. Yeah. They both had their own challenges. They've both probably been prob promised levelling up, which yeah. never actually <laughs> arrived. Um, both have great senses of identity and fierce local pride. Um, Wrexham's an interesting one because it's obviously got... It's Welsh, but it's also very much on the border of... Wales and Cheshire, so um, you know it, it. It it sometimes gets a bit forgotten. I think within Wales, and there's an interesting identity stuff going on. I think Rob and Ryan have discovered just what a rich vein of creative potential its Welshness does actually have. So yeah, I mean, and I and I, you know, I'm from that part of the world, but really, until I was doing the book, I'd hardly ever go back into town. I just drive from Manchester where I live. The, the, the football ground is just off the bypass, as you probably remember, um, if the bypass existed in 1980. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then, and then home again. So it's been, you know, back in, you know, spending a lot of time in town, understanding it, talking to a load of people who are, you know, who are part of, a part of that place, really. So yeah. um, I just don't know. I mean, I think there's, I don't think a lot of, I don't be interested in what you think, really, but there's not a lot of love for the story, I think, outside of our place. I mean, I think it's something that the second series of Welcome to Wrexham, you know, touches on quite a lot. And the fact that a lot of people really 
kind of hate Wrexham <laughs> now because of the fact suddenly they've become, you know, rich and yeah. you know, famous and showbiz and blah, blah, blah. And that's, I suppose that's understandable, but it's very weird for us because, you know, we were, as you, as you all know, Ian, we were a club that was basically virtually taken into liquidation by a guy called Alex Hamilton. Ultimately, the fans bought the club out to save it. And we were one of the first uh, fan-owned clubs. We were being featured everywhere because of that and loved for that. And then suddenly now we're kind of, you know, a team to dislike. So it's strange that. I think there are parallels in Wrexham and Rovers to a certain extent. So when I was watching the first season, it did take me back to when Jack Walker first got involved with Blackburn. So my... My view of Rovers was that yeah we are lower lower second division as it was then uh, we buy if we're lucky sort of like push for the playoffs maybe once or twice and then in the late eighties Don Mackay came in and he on a shoestring he got us in the playoffs virtually every year and that became the norm we would fail gloriously in the playoffs but yeah. you know he got us to the playoffs and how he did that Lord alone knows and then Jack Walker got involved but the problem for Rovers was Don couldn't spend the money. Because nobody believed that we've got the money, and I think yeah. Gary Lineker's mentioned on his Rest His Football podcast that nobody nobody took the bid seriously when we tried to buy Gary Lineker. It's just a publicity stunt. They haven't really got the money, and then of course it took Kenny coming in to give us the credibility. And yeah. I lived in Birmingham at the time, and Villa were pushing United in that first Premier League season. Uh, and then they fell away in subsequent years, and Rovers were with the next challenger. And a lot of Villa fans sort of said, "Oh, you've got to stop United. You know, anyone but United." You know, and I would walk around in a Rover sweatshirt or whatever in Birmingham and get get some very welcome um, welcome <laughs> attention. Um, yeah. When we won the league, though. It's kind of like, well, that's it now. Now we can hate you because you've been yeah, successful. Yeah. So we, yeah, we've got, we've got free reign to say, who are you, Johnny? Come lately, yada yada yada. Yeah. And of course, then we our, our fortunes ebbed uh, and we yeah. were relegated. It's kind of like, well, it serves you right, you know, you Johnny yeah. come lately with all your money. Who do you think yeah. you are? <laughs> yeah. So when I was watching the Wrexham program, I, was, I sort of like, you know, you felt like, well, here are some sincere football fans who literally put their hands in their pockets to keep the club in existence. Of yeah. course, they deserve. So some good times and all the rest of it, and and it, you know that redemption arc is, is sort of like coming come to fruition now. But but yeah. you've got back in the league now, and, and and now you're just spending more money than everybody else. So, yeah. so now we're allowed to not like you, and yeah, and who are a couple of these these Hollywood actors? They they don't know what football's about, and this that and the other. So it will be interesting to see how it unfolds. But one yeah. thing I will say is on on the BRFCS forums, we have never. Well, certainly not for many, many years, had as many visiting supporters registering so that they can come on and comment on the game. Um, oh, you know, really? and, and our moderators are working overtime <laughs> to sort of like, yeah, just curb some of the excesses, shall we say. So, as always, there's a normal distribution. You'll get some in the middle. Oh, I've been supporting yeah. Wrexham for 40 years. It's great to be coming to your ground. Never been there before. Looking, to, looking forward to the visit. Where do I drink? And then you'll get yeah. some you know, some oik, who I'm assuming is like about 14 years old. Going, we're going to stuff you. We're going to bring more fans than you. Yeah, we're going to show. <laughs> yeah, ban him. He'll <laughs> get rid of that yeah. one. So, there is a. Uh, yeah, I, you get it across any any supporter base, of course. So yeah. it's, it's going to be quite interesting, I have to say. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Attention shoppers. We now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right. An organic bread that doesn't need three spoonfuls of sriracha jam to delight your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is a 21-grain salute to the end of boring bread. A brand on a mission to make the most out of every loaf, to rid the world of GMOs and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. But Dave's Killer Bread has done more than raise the bar on bread. In fact, Dave's Killer Bread was built on the belief that second chances can change lives. When its founder, Dave, the guy with the guitar you see on every loaf, returned to the family bakery after 15 years in prison. Dave took that chance and ended up creating what would become the country's number one organic bread while never forgetting his not-so-easy path. That's why at Dave's Killer Bread, they proudly practice second-chance employment, hiring the best person for the job, regardless of criminal background. And by the taste of it, things have worked out rather well. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread Amplified. Because our current form, I think, is absolutely shocking, and you're catching us in that classic sort of like on the crest of a slump where we, I think, the uh, only win yeah. we've had in recent weeks is in the cup against Cambridge United. So uh, we're keeping keeping our power to dry. But my word, it's going to be tough. What what what's your expectations? What are your hopes for Monday? I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not massively I'm not over, overwhelmingly optimistic either. I mean, we, we've not been great away. Um, there will be, there will. I think there will be goals because we don't defend well. No, it's just no way. Five four could be a result. I'm not sure in which direction. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we had this. I mean, last season, the the, the really great game for us with the third round, the win at Coventry yeah. in the third round. Yeah, yeah. it was four three from what I can remember. I was there, but I, it was all a bit of a blur. Four and one, wasn't really it? Terrible. They went down to ten, and then two yeah. late goals sort of made it a bit hairy. Exactly, great, but I mean, that's exactly match. how we are in the sense that. You know, we 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 you know we do score. We've got Paul Mullin, who's who's our main attacking threat. Um, we've got Stephen Fletcher now. Who, yes, who's, he'll get a warm uh, welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Given his Burnley connections, hey. Given his Burnley connections, he'll get a warm. Oh right, welcome. okay. I didn't make that connection. I didn't make that connection. I mean, he he's kind of more bit part for us. He's he's not he's not been fully fit all the time, but he's clearly class. Um, Ollie Palmer. So we've got these players who can score. Uh, Elliot Lee, who is the, the really class player in that yeah. in that in that team. Um, but then we, you know, we we do concede, and that Coventry game was a metaphor for that. You know, we were well. I think we four one up, and then yeah, yeah. it was all we all went to part really, and and then and then we kind of there was a three all draw against Sheffield United in the in yeah. the fourth round. So again, very similar. You know, we'd scored. I think we were three three two up with very little time to go, and then they equalised. So um, yeah, I mean, very much a sort of um, you know two sides to our team really. A good a good attacking team, James McLean. Down the left, very strong. I mean, they bought they bought proper, you know, League One level players, I would say. But um, but the defense has been has been a problem all season. And um, Bentoza, who's, who's the captain, is you know he was briefly dropped. He had a pretty bad start to the season. They didn't really seem to have quite acclimatized to League Two. There's a lot of talk about how you know if you actually make it up out of the National League without obviously that only that one automatic spot. Yeah. To get through that kind of funnel into League Two, it's going to be a lot easier. I think they, re- I think it was a more, 
a lot more difficult than they really imagined. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, it, you know, it, it'll be, it, it's a difficult one to call. I don't feel quite as optimistic as you feel pessimistic. Um, <laughs> That's just my natural state of yeah. being. It's, it's my coping mechanism, I have to say. I think, I think there'll be a good atmosphere from the Wrexham point of view because it's very, I mean... It's you've, really sold, you've sold out your allocation, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was there were a lot of those tickets because, I mean, it's very, I mean, I'm not a season ticket holder because I obviously sometimes write about the games so just in a miss. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I find it very hard to get tickets, you know, certainly for, for the for the race course. So suddenly there was quite a lot for sale. And, you know, that that's a, a huge opportunity for people who can't get to watch the team. So it'll be a good atmosphere, obviously, and that comes into it. So, um, yeah, I'm interesting to see how it plays out, really. We shall, we shall see. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah, I think I think well, John, John Down Thomas and he's on record as saying he would rather win 4-3 than 1-0. So he, he's mastered the conceding the three goals. What we haven't mastered yet is scoring the four. <laughs> scoring the four, so yeah. That, that's yeah. the bit that we need to work on. Although, having said that, it's our cup, it's the cup runs that have given us the, the, the high points of the season. We hammered Harrogate in the League Cup earlier this year, uh, I think a record equaling um, victory. Okay. Uh, and we gave Cambridge a, a bit of a tubbing eventually in the last round, although right. they took the lead twice. So I think that that a lot of Rovers fans watching that game will sort of think, well, that's going to play out again. There's no way we're we're keeping a clean sheet, and yeah. we are not very good when we go behind. So I think if you were to score first, that would be that would start to cause alarm bells, and the the anxiety then flows from the fans to the players yeah. and vice versa, uh, and, and creates this cocktail of like horror. So it'd be interesting to see how it unfolds. What about the whole point about fielding a strong team from the Blackburn perspective? I mean. Your, Thomason has been pretty good about that. I have to say, he, he's taken the cup competition seriously. And if there was a stick that we could have beaten Tony Mowbray with, that was one of them, where yeah. invariably he just didn't take the competitions, either of them, seriously. Yeah. Uh, and for a side that, you know, our last trophy win was the Worthy Cup in 2002. And that was yeah. a great day out in Cardiff. Never thought I'd see my side in a cup final. So, yeah, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's still in living, well in living memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, don't, don't, throw away opportunities. Last season in the FA Cup, we got to the quarterfinals and had a proper humdinger with Sheffield United um, mm. uh, and came out the wrong side of an absolutely superb winner. For, I think it was James McAtee pinged one in oh, from right. outside the area. Yeah, he but, did yeah, have that the fourth we round. Are, yeah. yeah, we are one of the handful of clubs that's never been to the new Wembley. And so right. that, that's a stick that's used to beat us with. So having that opportunity to get to a Wembley semi-final in the FA Cup last year and being so close was at the forefront. Uh, yeah. And we've had two, you'd have to say, favourable draws. Cambridge at home and yourselves yeah. at home. But quite, quite I, so. I, I hate them. <laughs> I yeah. hate them. I hate that the upstarts from lower divisions coming along and bloodying the nose. I just sort of say, no, know yeah. your place. Get back down there. Yeah, You've no, got a I TV know. documentary. You don't need to be... Yeah, no, I know. And I think from Rex's point of view, I think they were... <coughs> they were there's probably a bit of hope that <clears throat> there might have been a Premier League tie. I mean, obviously, in the, in yeah. the Rob and Ryan era, we had... We had a good run last year, but you know we had Coventry. Then we we do see, keep drawing championship teams. Yeah. So um, yeah, you want yeah, Spurs I mean, away, don't you? So you can go to the new stadium. It's stuff like that. That's the I think that's the yeah. dream draw. Yeah. Yeah, totally, yeah. United City, Liverpool, Everton, all, all the yeah. usual ones, all the rest of it. Yeah. In, t- yeah. in terms of Wrexham, though, and where you are now in this iteration, based on the people that you've spoken to at the club and all the rest of it, how enduring do do you and do they think? the McElhenney reynolds relationship will be? I mean, I think there seems to be a lot of optimism um, that they will be around for maybe, you know, a further six or seven years. Um, you know, maybe they would, it would be a 10-year thing. I mean, there's been, you know, I mean, they, some of the, some of the kind of the, the you know, 
R- Rob talks about it as if it's kind of a forever story. I can't see that happening. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be hard. I don't know. I think I can't think it's probably going to be hard to sustain the documentary season after season. I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier on about how different it is when you actually get that promotion and then suddenly or you win the title. I mean, the high point for us really dramatically was that beating Boring Wood to go up last season. And then, yeah. I mean, it will never be quite as good as that. Um, so, but I would have, I think there's, there's a lot of genuine optimism because they do seem to be so genuinely engaged in the town and that is reflected in the, in the documentary. It's very much about yes, the, yes. yeah. you know, that, it, that they'll be in it for 10 years, obviously we're two years down the road, two or three years down the road. Um, you know, and I, and I would have thought that, you know, we could in, in the, you know, possibly this season, we're currently second in league two, we could get promoted this season. But it also feels like we need, we would then need to have, you know, a little bit of time to, you know, bed in, in as a League One side. I, I, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't really particularly want to see us go, you know, just continue to, sp- obviously we've got, we, we can spend money because Rob and Ryan, I mean, the commercial model is very simple, you know, that they're, because they are dynamite in terms of like, particularly Ryan in terms of, you know, one of the world's most famous people and tweets so well and, you know, so our, you know, our shirt sponsor is, you know, United Airlines. It was TikTok last yeah. season. It was, you know, obviously every other team in League One or two, it's going to be the local undertaker or... Scrap Fred's Net. Butchers and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so obviously that kind of revenue allows you to buy players. And, you know, we bought McLean, we bought um, Fletcher, you know, um, just we bought another keeper this week or last week or something. Um, but I don't particularly want that to be the way we operate, that we suddenly, we just keep buying to go up. You know, I would rather it it's as you say consolidate um but but how how that looks you know um you know two or three years in as a league one team i just don't know i mean um whether that suddenly starts to lose its dramatic input um i think series one of welcome to rexham was better than series two um i think it's harder to keep sustaining the narratives really yeah season season two sustained because you weren't successful in the first one and so it's kind of like, you know, you came so close losing the trophy final and then yeah. missing out on promotion as well. So that, that Notts County game was, was absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I was on, on my way home from a Rovers game, so I like on the phone think, oh my word, <laughs> what yeah, yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. This, that, to be at that game must have been quite something. Uh, and then you, know, you yeah. saw it play out on the documentary. It was really good. As you yeah. sort of say, I think the, the fairy tale story has been told in getting you back in the league and now it's kind of like it's business as usual and that's never quite as appealing yeah. unless somehow you go all the way through. I think one one note of caution for any club that aspires to get into the championship is I'm not even sure that, that Ryan Reynolds has got deep enough pockets for the championship yeah. when you're talking about needing 15 to 20 million quid a year. That's interesting. Yeah, as an operation, um, yeah. that's that's a couple of hit movies every year, isn't it? Just yeah, to, and I think just... probably when we get, you know, if, if 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 we're into that kind of ballpark, there's, I mean, there is that there is then talk about, you know, whether they get extra extra finance, extra, yeah. you know, um, equity or whatever. Um, and and I, I guess I guess there will be there will be people who would um, who will want to work with them because oh, they're of course. yeah they're, they're so smart because what they're very good at is actually sustaining that. The story it's not just about three three or four weeks a year where there's a documentary i mean through their social media they they just keep it going it's front and center very full yeah. way yeah they don't really need to speak to 
media, you know, as such, they just, they do, they, they, they cut out all that kind of apparatus. They yeah. just do their own thing. So, um, yeah. So one would imagine that others would, would, would want to work with them. Yeah. Um, it, again, I think you know, it will be interesting for Wrexham fans to study our story once Jack Walker passed on. Because the uh, Rovers' history since then has been, uh, shall we say, pockmarked with (laughs) tales of woe down the way. And having an enduring mechanism to hand over power is something, I think, that's crucial. I think that transition from one owner to the next is crucial. So while we had Jack Walker, everything was fine because you knew his heart and soul was in the club. Uh, And... coming from the town, of the town, wanting to benefit the town, all the things that you just mentioned for Wrexham are ticked. But what happens when they go? Yeah, and it, it, it cannot be forever. Yeah. It might be 10 years' time, it might be 20 years' time, but at some point you, you reach that juncture. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I I mean, I think one of, the, one of the most fascinating elements of the story for me in terms of trying to write the book was the, which never really came out, I don't think, at the time, was the kind of the genuine struggle... Um, you know, within the, the Wrexham supporters' trust to decide whether this is a good thing or to not. Accept it. I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, because in a sense, we were we were a metaphor for um, you know for organic self for self do, you know doing it ourselves. You know, fans doing it, making it work, making it survive. You know, and um, you know, and a lot and there were people saying quite rightly, well, <clears throat> how do we know this is going to be authentic? And of course, it is authentic. But then, as you say what happens afterwards, you know, yeah. and that's why I think the idea of, I mean, Swansea City are a good example of a club who went all the way up and then all the way down again in the pre, you know, um, wealthy owner era, I suppose, you know, uber wealthy owner. But um, I don't know, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because, I mean, we were, when they took over, we were sliding down towards National League North. I mean, there are yeah. lots of teams in the National League who've got money and that's a very competitive league. It is. So, it's, know, I, think they, I think it's the championship in microcosm. The National yeah. League, because, yeah. and, and also you've got that pinch point at the top with there being only one automatic yeah. place. So it yeah. concentrates the energy. That I think almost like being in League Two should be, in many respects, a lot easier from from that financial pressure and that playing pressure because you've got yeah. more to have a go at and more yeah. to sustain interest. Yeah. yeah, I think I think there's a lot of debate on our forums at the moment because Venkis are having all sorts of issues in getting money over to the UK because they've transgressed some Indian uh, foreign exchange oh, really? rules. Yeah. So that means we are absolutely you know, counting the pennies. Um, and inevitably, there will be some people sort of say, well, what Rovers needs to be is fan-owned. And my observation to that is that's absolutely fine as long as you're prepared to slide down the leagues uh, and yeah. possibly go out of the football league altogether. And I think, I mean, I think it's a really important point you make, honestly, and I think it's just so, you know, behind that kind of, the, the, the beautiful idea, the beautiful notion is, you know, um, it's just very, very, very hard for fan-owned clubs to compete. I think, you yeah. know, that is just such an important message. Yeah. yeah. Particularly from a town like Blackburn, because yeah, there's not a, there's not a massive amount of wealth there, so inevitably you'd have to cast the net wider to to, to get some sort of consortium or whatever. Mm. Uh, but it's every season; it's not just a case of if we can find somebody to give us a million quid, we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. at the moment, a million quid lasts about a fortnight. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kind of like, what do we do? 
for the rest of the month. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. Next month. Yeah. Well, they are, the numbers in the championship are absolutely insane. And I, yeah. I do wonder how long it can it can sustain at this level and obviously the parachute payments. So we'll see whether the regulator makes a difference to it. But it is, it's a bonkers, bonkers division. But you're not there yet. But I suspect your trajectory will be, will be taking you there. It will be one to watch with interest for sure. I can't let you go without asking for a prediction. Oh, so, really and I don't yeah. expect you to predict against your own club, even no, if that's okay, something okay. I tend to do. So, well, come okay, on, then. Well, I, I'm just going to go 4 three. Three. Right, Blackburn 3, Wrexham 4. Splendid. I think that's It that sounds ridiculous, but it's not improbable. Absolutely not. No. But, and you? Um, I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely terrified. I'll go 2 1 Rovers. Okay. That's, that's my that's my go to default position. I think. Okay. I think every time I predict two one, we end up losing. So you can take that and, and do with it what you will. <laughs> but there we go. Ian, it's been lovely chatting uh, really? about all things uh, Wrexham and beyond. Um, the book I will give a, one more plug to as well. So Tinseltown, Hollywood and the Beautiful Game, as the joke goes, available in all good bookshops and quite a few rotten ones. Um, for, for Liverpool fans, of course, Ian is also the author of Quiet Genius, which is uh, the story of Bob Paisley. I think. Uh, how, how did that come about? Uh, I mean, that was a little bit back to what we started talking about, Ian, you know, which was like early days watching football and um, watching a lot, quite a lot of Liverpool back in those days. And yeah. that was a great team in the 80s. And Bob was slightly the the anonymous man in all that, as far as I could make it out. And obviously yeah. now we're, we're all about managers, aren't we? What they have to say. Personalities, Bob, was, yeah, yeah. Bob said nothing. So it, that, it was, it just felt it was there to be done, really. So as you say, uh, available on Amazon and other outlets. Uh, if you prefer to go to your independent bookshops, then by all means do so. Ian, lovely chatting. It's great that our paths finally yep. crossed after all this yep. time. I think we, as you say, we've had some Twitter traffic going in the wrong directions. Most of it coming to me in error, <laughs> exactly. as opposed to my people going to you in error, I have to say. You know, my 200 followers or whatever, I'm sure they're, they're, they're quite well behaved. But lovely chatting. Thank you yeah, much Yeah, likewise. Enjoy the game and uh, may, the, may the best team win and all that. Well, I hope yeah. it's us. <laughs> Four Thousand Holes, no longer just a fanzine, now a podcast too, but you know that. You're listening to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. City usually does the trick. Um, yeah. that, that's the one that usually like, flushes out all the tinfoil hat wearers and all the rest of it. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll look one morning and I think, 78 notifications? Well, that's 77 more than I normally get. Like, oh, oh, I know what's happened. What the fuck's he been writing about this time? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. The ones I get, the City's definitely one. Um, to the extent that my wife actually encourages me not to write about City, you know. <laughs> Because I live in South Manchester, so it's a bit close to home. And then also... Um, Pitchfork yeah, Sheffield, wielding Sheffield mobs Wednesday. outside the gates. Yeah. yeah, Sheffield Wednesday are another one. They're a real... They really they, they really hate me with a passion. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. Podcast Network. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. 
If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.